0: This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple
1: near you. In five, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it. A... In five, four. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. And we will leave you with a... I can't do it. We'll do it live.
0: Okay. Okay. No. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can. I'll write it, and we'll do it live. Fuck this up. thing sucks. Five, four, three. End of days. The freedom of speech is being taken away. What do you think happened? someone they die? Uh, I. Like, do you believe in
1: heaven? I never did. I know why I do.
0: And welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael and I am a mere figment of your imagination. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First time listeners, turn on, tune in and drop out. This is a different kind of show, a place where you don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity live and direct right now on the tune in radio app search end of days and you'll find the 24 7 network my guest this evening is leo zagami he is a writer and researcher who wrote a popular blog between 2006 and 2008 concerning his direct involvement with the new world order and secret societies connected to it his blog gained attention from people such as david Icke. ...for its accurate, fully documented, groundbreaking inside information. Once again, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Welcome back to another dose of the Michael Deacon program. Tonight will be fun. Always an honor and pleasure to be here. Thank you to everyone listening right now. Really appreciate that. Now, let's get down to brass tacks. I believe my guest is already waiting... Leo. Uh, hello. How, oh, there you are. Leo, what's going on?
1: Everything fine. I can hear you loud and clear. Uh, thank you for having me on. Ah, perfect. I'm glad you can hear me. Yep. I mean, are we on the air now or not? Uh, when are we going on the air? Oh, yes, we
0: are already on the
1: air, Okay. Okay, great. So, I'm looking forward to uh, see what kind of uh, topics you want to bring uh, up uh, today in your show. I see that you are... Mostly focus on the new world order and the various developments uh, in the satanic realm. Oh yes. But uh, please, uh, me any question you have, and of course, I was also remind your listeners that if uh, they want to follow up on whatever is said today, they can uh, read my books that you can find uh, at at Barnes Noble or on Amazon. uh, Leo Zagami, Leo Lion Zagami, the, the Confessions, and also Pope Francis, the last Pope. And um, these are all four books in English language that uh, have now uh, basically prepared the the ground for the Invisible Master, which will be my fifth book in the English language coming out uh, um, in October of this year. So I'm looking forward to also be able to talk a bit about that book, which is upcoming. Yes. But uh, any mm-hmm. questions you have, please uh, let me know. Yeah, let's talk
0: about all of that. You are, of course, the author of many great books. You have a lot of good books, actually. I, I also understand you were born into a very interesting family. I thought we could sort of just go back to your roots quickly here, since I believe you have lived a very interesting life, my friend.
1: Well, yes. I mean, it's been um, overall interesting experience to... Uh, join uh, this, uh, let's say, day and age with my present body (laughs) in this embodiment. I was born into a family that, of course, had some uh, specific connections to what uh, is uh, often described as the new world order. And uh, I will say, most of all, uh, important connections with the the elite and the aristocracy. So I was uh, somehow privileged to Uh, get in contact with uh, these important uh, institutions like Freemasonry or also the Illuminati that uh, somehow uh, are inaccessible to certain levels by the ordinary folk. Though I must say that you can join of course your average uh, Masonic Lodge anywhere in the US so it depends what kind of Freemasonry or what kind of Illuminati (laughs) because these days and uh, since I actually started my exposé of uh, my own experience uh, within this uh, group uh, of people we define as the Illuminati, but they are a vast network of secret societies that intermingle with each other and that go back uh, hundreds if not thousands of years, well, uh, I mean, this is, uh, for me, this uh, moment of time in history, very important to be here and be able to give a real idea of what the Illuminati really are, uh, instead of the myth surrounding the Illuminati, which, of course, is a great myth. I mean, a lot of things are said. Some of them are true, some of them are not. But uh, also because uh, the problem sometimes is uh, that people define the Illuminati as only the order of Adam Weishaupt, the Bavarian Illuminati, instead than then uh, picking up on the larger context, because uh, already... Um, 150 years ago, some authors uh, like Stanislav de Gaeta talked about the Illuminati as a more wide range of secret societies within the Western initiatic system, and so not restricted only to Adam Weishaupt. And that actually went back a long way before Adam Weishaupt. And we know also uh, all the implications uh, that uh, connect uh, societies like the Rosicrucians with Freemasonry, or, uh, or the Jesuits which right. also play an important role in all this because they are the, uh, the spies of the Vatican, the magicians of the Vatican, the scientists of the Vatican. So my life was uh, of being brought up in a traditional Catholic background amongst two parents of uh, different nationalities, because my father Sicilian, my mother English British uh, related to the Queen, my father to the Sicilian uh, nobility and they Both got married. My grandfather, of course, was very happy. He was uh, himself a senator of the Monarchic Party. So, I mean, for a senator who, who after Italy abandoned the Republic, was actually a senator of the Monarchic Party to, to, uh, let's say, get his uh, son to marry with my mother, uh, who was related to the Queen. It was a big thing. They got married in in England, in uh, the district of Seoul, which is right at the center of London, you don't really usually these days think of marriage in the heart of London and so maybe there is some more picturesque uh, locations, but uh, that's where they married and my father, uh, um, a young psychiatrist, uh, then went uh, to Switzerland various years uh, and he worked very much uh, on uh, on uh, studying uh, the works of Carl Gustav Jung and also working close with his uh, main collaborator who was uh, Meyer. So, I mean, the background which I had was very vast. My grandmother, from my mother's side, instead was involved with Fellini and working in the cinema business uh, and before that in the intelligence and the, and in, during the war she was in charge of cryptography between uh, uh, Church and Roosevelt. I mean, at the height... Uh, of one of the most epic moments of history, to be actually in charge of the communications meant to be a very powerful individual, for sure. Uh, I will say that uh, overall, uh, my life was not ordinary and I was acquainted with a non-ordinary reality. But it was very difficult for me since 2006, uh, being able to then... uh, Uh, let's say, depict this reality and to uh, portray it for the profane individual, the man from the street who doesn't know that certain things can happen. And that means that you have to be very careful how you uh, start also uh, an adventure that you don't know where it will end because you are really, let's say, turning your back on your roots and uh, on the protection of certain individuals when you uh, make certain things public. So my experience was not so positive the first few years of me coming out uh, of this uh, uh, closet of lies, of uh, deception, uh, of uh, secret society, intelligence services, uh, uh, ex-Cold War assets uh, like the P2 members, uh, uh, people from the Monte Carlo Lodge, the Priory of Zion, and many other elements in you know, all this uh, that, uh, of course, well, uh, when I came out at the beginning with my small blog in 2006, I was lucky enough that it was picked up by people like David Hike. yeah, and So my dear friend Greg Zismanski, who is a journalist who used to work in Rome, and so he had an experience uh, in Rome, talking about the Jesuits, the Vatican for a long time, he knew that I was uh, talking the truth and he found a lot of substance in what I was saying, so he gave me credit. Uh, I mentioned David Icke, but of course David Icke had a different uh, impression of reality in my eyes, but he definitely gave me a hand uh, to, uh, because he was a pioneer in what he did. That, that's he might true. not, uh, uh, you know, be completely 100 percent in tune with his uh, reptilian theory but of course that then was also modified as you know during the course of time yes
0: are you still in contact with david by the
1: way no i was never really in direct contact with david we always collaborated uh, uh, through other people Uh, Uh of course uh, i worked with chris everard with enigma tv he also worked with chris Everard. i still collaborate with chris everard uh, and, of course, uh, uh, but I never really had a direct contact with uh, David Ike because uh, I came out in a completely different, I mean I, ca- I mean, I came into the open from a completely different uh, category of people, you see. David was somebody who picked up on me, but I wasn't coming out from that background of maybe being... Uh, uh, critical towards the new world. No, I was coming out from inside the heart of the new world order and David just picked up on certain articles and certain things that I put on my blog, which actually then got, uh, got closed down by the, it was Squarespace at the time that gave yes. me this, uh, this problem. And then we transferred it to Italy and then we had to retransfer it in America. There was a lot of uh, moving around of, uh, my website, Till at a certain point between 2008 and 2009, I decided that the main way to really get serious about uh, getting this information out was through my books. Very nice. Now, so,
0: yes, and yeah. by the way, I'm very interested in how you got involved in the music industry.
1: But the music industry was uh, something that went uh, along uh, with uh, everything else because you see, I was uh, um, working within uh, the Vatican radio establishment from a very young age because uh, my mother uh, used to collaborate with Catholic radio.
0: It's pretty unique uh, way to get this, involved, uh,
1: by the way. Sorry?
0: I was just saying that's pretty unique to get involved through that.
1: Yeah, well, uh, you see, in fact, uh, it was very interesting because I started when I was 10 years old, uh, um, I actually used to read fairy tales on the radio, ah. on the Catholic radio as a kid, because sometimes they needed children voices within fairy tales and things, so I, I, I read see. my part. Then later on, though, uh, I was uh, serving Mass and everything, so, of course, you know, I have a very clear idea of the Vatican right. and of everything else, because I was right at the heart of it, being uh, raised in this uh, situation with Monsignor Mario Pieracci, who still nowadays is one, he was the founder of the Vatican, uh, of the Italian... Uh, Um, Episcopal uh, TV uh, which is basically the second leading Vatican TV which is called SAT 2000 which is actually the main satellite Vatican TV and he was the founder and and I started with with him he raised me uh, uh, in the church uh, but then I uh, liked music Uh, one day I discovered when I was very young I think I was probably 10 years old I saw for the first time this uh, These DJs from the radio, because you see, Catholic Radio, though, used to also play a lot of music. It wasn't only prayers and hymns. There was, of course, the space for that, but there was also a lot of music and entertainment because they were trying to attract people to it. And it was the beginning of private radio enterprise in Italy. So uh, I started uh, with this uh, little radio show for kids. But then when I was 13, I asked uh, if I could have my own radio show. And then I went into the music uh, setup because I was very passionate about music from a very early age because a friend of my father, who is a famous musician, mm-hmm. called Anthony Walmsley, was a bass player, he played with some of the greatest bands, but he actually was famous in Italy for playing with a group called Napoli Centrale, uh, that uh, later had also a guy called Pino Daniele, very famous uh, in the Nap- Napoli- Neapolitan song. Uh, and, and and basically he, uh, he was a famous bass player, but he was also a producer of early dance music, and uh, he had been uh, touring since the 70s and playing... Uh, Uh, with various groups, also Alan Sorrenti with this song called Fidel Estelle, very famous uh, also song and stuff. But what happened is that he brought me these uh, tapes back from America. Uh, I was maybe 11, 12 years old, and uh, I started to listen to these uh, um, American radios, like Philly 99 FM, WBLS in New York, things I couldn't really listen at that time, we had no internet, of course, guys. So just make you, yeah. you know, you have to go back to the reality of the early days. Very different times, <laughs> and, and a very different times. So it was the time when you go with your ghetto buster, your, you know, your two tapes, the music. And I used to get these tapes from America, and and suddenly I wanted to be like them. I wanted to bring the radio, and I, and so I wanted also to bring the music, and I also wanted to bring a little bit of a more. Um, Let's say humor to the whole thing in Catholic radio. Ah, Well, that that. got me in trouble uh, (laughs) not so long after I started my show. Because I played the Relax by Frankie Goes to Hollywood and the Bishop (laughs) went uh, pretty uh, pretty crazy on me (laughs) because I played the Relax Frankie Goes to Hollywood, which of course is not really. A Catholic song, but when you really see it in the context of what really goes on in the Catholic world and behind the scenes in the Vatican, that now it's so much in the open, then you see that "Relax Your Body" is, is actually a uh-huh. song. Um, I, I was—I uh, um, I knew what was going on around me in certain quarters when it came down to pedophilia in the Catholic Church from a very early age. But people like me from good families were never being touched. Ah, yes. This is uh, what happens, unfortunately, when you are in certain environments. They go for the poor children, and uh, they go after them, and, uh, of course, they methodically isolate them and make them their sexual slaves, their predators. And this, uh, of course, uh, make me understand that uh, the, uh, I was also shocked by cer certain reality, but I was also inspired by the Gospel of St. John, which was probably... One of the, 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 I think, a piece of the of the gospel which I liked more than this revelation and and this whole fact that there was a coming back of of Jesus at one point, this Messiah that everybody was waiting, this clash between the good and the evil, actually surfaced very early in my childhood. This, but at the same time, I was also very fascinated with magic because in my family library, I had all sorts of books on magic. So from very early age, I actually started wondering in parts of my family library that were not really open for me, but I was very curious, so.
0: Very curious, and, yes.
1: And and, and, and and so I started to experiment different things and at the same time, realizing that there was something in my family that they were not saying. So, It took me some time, but once uh, I let's say ordered my first book on uh, on magic, which was a very I I ordered it. I was like 10. I mean, it was it was in parallel with me going to church. I was also into magic because I was pretty much at a very early age. You don't expect a kid to be so. I guess these days uh, uh, children uh, are too brainwashed by today's society to wake up. Oh yes, we'll uh, get into that in uh, a moment. Mm -hmm. But uh, um, let's say that the the fact that I started to discover this magic in my family library and the fact that I started to see that there was something strange behind the scenes that they were not telling me, then started to materialize once, you know, my grandmother at that point, uh, when I was 12, gave me my first book of Aleister Crowley. When they saw that I was drawn to that world, they then made it accessible to me. And And so, at that point, I started to realize that there were magicians, alchemists, there were people who actually were working rituals, That my father himself was doing this kind of thing. Uh, he was also a psychiatrist, but he also had worked very much with magic to a point that he left psychiatry, and he actually uh, participated in the early 80s to a TV show that used to go on uh, in Italy, uh, in Rome, in uh, on Teleroma 56, where... He had uh, all these uh, esoteric people, uh, occultists, uh, even Dario Argento was his guest, one of the, so, so, I mean, you had the different array of weirdos and uh, I still <laughs> yes. remember uh, going to see his TV show sometimes. I mean, it was pretty late for a, for a child, but I, I still uh, liked the late, the late for me. I was drawn towards the night, and that was really what pushed me with uh, then promoting my music uh, uh, on the radio initially for the first two or three years until I got into the club business. And by 16, I was starting to play out in clubs also. And this uh, was a positive aspect simply because it gave me the possibility to be very early making a lot of money, especially in the 80s with this kind of, of thing. And also because of the connections I had, my grandmother put me in this top club where had people like Rolling Stones coming to dance, Mick Acknell from Simply Red and Star Council dancing. around. I was just put in the middle of the elite there. Yeah. And I started to see more and more things because my grandmother collaborated with William Barrows, Brian Geisen, and so there was also around Genesis P. orridge Uh, from the temple of psychic youth who was himself a friend of Anton Lavey. So I got immediately right into the heart of the problem from a very early, very early age.
0: Oh yes. Well, it's better to be weird than normal, I always say.
1: I know, absolutely. I think also that it just goes along with the the family history. I mean, if you go and see my family background, uh, I can go back to the time of Macbeth as my ancestor. So, I mean, the fact that uh, you can go back for hundreds of years and see that there is a lot of people and they are all quite mad as hatters, quite out of it, all of them eccentrics. But of course, now the situation is very different. We are in the year 2018. The occult elite has implemented this obscure time for mankind in which we are... Uh, suffering from uh, this mondialism, which is also slash communism, destroying the soul of the people. It's a Nazi fascism, uh, communism altogether. These ideologies are all part of uh, things that came out of experiments in lodges. And now they are showing their last evil culture, which is technocracy. So artificial intelligence and the will for them to go to the next level and microchip humanity. So the the, the, the fact that uh, now the the occult elite is implementing all this in front of our eyes uh, uh, has finally wake up a lot of people to what I also said at the beginning of my adventure on the internet uh, in 2006 when I decided to bring out this information. Remember that it wasn't just me going and opening a blog. It didn't work out like right. that. It was a decision right. that took a long time <clears throat> because when you become a whistleblower, then sooner or later, you're going to get in serious trouble. And that happened with me because then I was arrested in Norway oh, yes. for espionage.
0: I, w- I was just going to ask you that you had a very eventful 2008.
1: Yes. I mean, 10 years ago, I was in a very different situation from now. While in the last 10 years, I've been basically focusing on my books. I published around uh, 20 books worldwide, six in Japan, uh, now four in America. The fifth one is coming out. Then I published eight or nine books in Italy. I published a lot of books, and I dedicated myself to talk about what happened previously because my life was very eventful previously. And a time very daring and very risky business because I mean thank God I'm still here to tell you the story. Uh, what happened in 2008 was uh, hell on earth for me. I mean oh, yes. everything. It was it was just a series of events that kept on. I as I said I started in 2006 with this blog. This blog of course must have upset some very powerful people because they were capable of sending me both the police and intelligence service to arrest me in my house without even the judge still giving them the and they actually had to put me in a car going around for like half an hour around the house waiting for the judge to put the seal the the, the approval Mm -hmm. And, 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 and this is quite unusual I mean it's actually legal but, and the Norwegian police should be, you know, like proper police. You are in, you know, you're not in Africa. You're not, uh, uh in what, you know, Trump calls shithole countries. Yes. I mean, you are in Norway, which is actually one of the countries that, uh, you know, even Trump says is great, but instead it's not that great. I lived there a few, a few years then, and I noticed that there was, uh, a country heavily brainwashed by the Clinton Foundation, by George Soros. By the Democrats, who had completely taken, by uh, you know, have basically used for the last fifty to sixty years Scandinavia as, as just an experimental ground for the various, uh, let's say, social experiments that they can have. And um, but, but but it was very yeah it was a very eventful 2008. I gave first of all just before uh, just at the at the beginning of it uh, uh, it started when I. When I went to the next level, I think with, uh, you know, I wasn't anymore only a blogger. I came out with that interview with Project Camelot and that really upset some, some very powerful people because uh, the interview with Project Camelot, uh, now people see it, uh, there's still some, you know, some YouTube channels who, who have some very bad copies, I must say of it. Because it was already bad to start with because the original one was actually confiscated when they went back to the US. They had done a backup copy with another camera. They had brought various cameras and, and some of the footage was confiscated when they went back into the US. Their car was broke into after they, uh, even before they arrived at my place that time, uh, a lot of strange things happened and then few just a few weeks after I got arrested for the first time in Norway the day before my birthday and uh, and they locked me up uh, and they were obviously trying to lock me up but I managed to well I managed to convince them that I wasn't uh, that I wasn't a bad person like they were portraying I was because they were simply trying to get me for the fact that I had this blog When I was into the car, the Norwegian police clearly said it. You have have this blog, you have to close it down. I mean, it was like a threat. They threatened me directly, and they had already threatened me a few months earlier, coming to my house uh, in front of my ex-wife and the kids and everything. So I think that all this uh, was very heavy uh, situation that developed... Right from the beginning of the blog, which was at the end of 2006, when they started to, when they came and threatened me, then they continued harassing me into 2007, and then we got basically into 2008 that uh, my now ex-wife uh, went away with my son that I never saw again, and then I was accused uh, later on uh, when I tried to see him of espionage, arrested, and uh, and basically I had to flee Norway at one point because otherwise uh, <laughs> I will uh, have a very bad time in their prison cell. My goodness. And it was a very bad time. The, the, the small time I spent in isolation in prison in Norway was not very good. It was a very terrible situation. I hated the second of it, and I cursed every every person that put me in that situation, but you have to be very strong also. You, you know that you can't do anything when you are in that kind. You know, when you are in a prison cell, you have uh, the the... the and it's cold, it's Norway, they don't, they didn't even give me a blanket, this bastard. Wow. That's awesome. So awful. it was freezing in the cold, uh, with the lights on and always a clock in front, they put you in Norway in this prison. So you have a big clock, you can see on top, so that, so that when you see the time, time never goes by. If you don't have the, time, the clock in front of you, it's better, no? They put it yeah. on purpose, so you have the sense that time it's so slow, you know. So, and of course, it's a simple, it's a, it's a usual prison cell with the toilet in the there and the usual, I mean, it's terrible. I mean, it's yeah. it, it is isolation and every hour you have a prison guard, you know. But then I um, had a revelation when I thought they are looking into my computers and stuff. They're trying to find some kind of accusation, which later on arrived because a few months later they rearrested me and... When I went to try to see my son, and uh, at that point I was accused of espionage full on and I had to flee Norway. But in between all this, I also managed to come to the U.S. for a few months. Uh, When I went around the U.S. in 2008, uh, I also experienced a lot of uh, crazy adventures, (laughs) I must say. Good times. So it was, uh, yeah, well, I mean, I had uh, forecasted... uh, Earlier on in the interview of Project Cameron that, uh, of course, uh, Obama will be the president, and Obama became the president. But it wasn't, uh, you know, because it was a good thing, simply because I knew about it, because I knew that the New World Order was pushing for that kind of agenda, which they're still trying to implement in defiance of Donald Trump. But, I mean... We are now in front of a very different situation from 10 years ago, for me at least personally. The world has gone worse and worse because, uh, unfortunately, those things that I had uh, predicted came into fruition. And so it's obvious that these things uh, are shocking for a lot of people, but not for the people who follow me for many years. I mean, when I, in 2006, 2007, uh, started to say what was happening in the Vatican, the Vatican pedophilia network, uh, uh, the Pope being close to certain pedophiles himself, being bold to certain this and that. I mean, people were shocked. Nowadays, we don't understand that because so many scandals daily being served by the Catholic Church to a world audience, we become kind of immune to the whole thing. Oh, it's yes. like, okay. <clears throat> but 10 years ago, it was shocking. And of course, you know, we were creating waves with this kind of information uh, in the alternative media. I'm happy that I've done this. It's not that I my choice I regret doing this to, uh doing what I did, but I mean it, it, it took some courage and also I paid the consequences. So, yes, I mean did. nobody can say it didn't pay the consequences.
0: Yeah, that that was a very eventful 2008 for you and back to the Vatican quickly here. Um, as of late, well, not even as of late. For for years, they've taken lots of heat. Like you were saying, scandal after scandal, child trafficking, and of course, many of the priests have been protected. But,
1: well, that, uh, yeah. I mean, my idea when I when I got persecuted in Norway was to go to America. Then I went back to Norway. Then I saw that maybe going back to Rome. Was the best solution and actually to go right into the heart of the enemy, which is the Vatican. So I placed myself in an area called San Giovanni in front of San Giovanni in Laterano, which is the older, the mother church of all churches, which basically used to be the Vatican before St. Peter's. And I had a, I, I just uh, had a family flat uh, that uh, was, uh, was brought not so long before that. Uh, and I, I was able to stay there for a whole year and basically be able to re-reach um, in the heart of the Vatican that information, which, of course, uh, you know, after 15 years abroad, uh, you lose touch maybe, though I still had a lot of informants. I used to go to the lodge in Monte Carlo. I had mm-hmm. my informants in Freemasons. But the fact that I was actually there gave me the opportunity to go right back into the heart of the Vatican and also try to see uh, if I could... Uh, get uh, not only other information but also maybe change things you know change i was really believing at some point i could maybe influence this uh, this whole thing that's where when, when when i had the brief collaboration with princess caoru and the vatican uh, we brought her to the vatican and uh, the vatican contacted me at one point very clearly stating this if i stop the publication of my books in Italy. I could get money from them. And I could get uh, not only money, but I could get a very comfortable life. I will get a knighthood title and all this rubbish. Actually, I could become grandmaster even of a knighthood order that they presided over.
0: They try to buy you. And
1: uh, they try to buy me. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I, I, of course, uh, I pretended for a few months while I was preparing the books that I accepted because I didn't want to be murdered in the process. I, I don't blame you. And and so I was very clever to do that, I guess, because I really mingled so close to the enemy, right, right, I remember until like 20 days, 10 days before the publication of the books. Then I remember there was the publication of the first volume of my confessions in Italy which they started with only one edition, you know, like a 1,000 copies. Uh, I think the publisher himself didn't really believe. Though in Japan it had been a, already a big success and it sold several thousand copies, I already had sold something like thirty, forty thousand 40,000 books in Japan. What happened was that in Italy the situation was this was my first book, and I came out with this first book, and a lot of the people that were my friends the day before, the day after, were not my friends. Because uh, it was uh, like, wow, Leo didn't give up. And now he's actually giving all the details in an even more accurate way. And the book skyrocketed to number one into the book uh, sales chart. There were another four editions. And so at that point, I had already prepared the other two books to follow. And I was able to bypass all the censorship. You see... This actually worked a lot better initially than the Internet because they were not able to censor these books. Actually, they had a very wide distribution and success until these books then later on will be understood to be dangerous, and then they stopped the publication, persecuted, uh, uh, basically took them away from commerce. I had to find myself a new publisher. So, I mean, there were, of course, retaliations even when I did the books
0: oh yes now here in america a couple of months ago the media went on a bit of a frenzy about some ufo footage um what does the vatican know about extraterrestrials
1: <clears throat> well this is the subject of my next book which is coming out uh, in uh, october of this year the, the invisible master that i mentioned earlier on in the show Why the Invisible Master? Because these are the puppeteers, uh, the occult puppeteers behind the New World Order, the ones you never mentioned. What is the real reality behind the so-called alien phenomenon or the UFO phenomenon, which is connected to an esoteric reality, which uh, uh, gives you a different perspective to the whole thing? So um, you have to imagine the UFOs not as the entity well as the beings we but more as beings entities that are transdimensional or interdimensional they have portals they can come into this dimension they can also possess people into this dimension because of links that have been created uh, with certain bloodlines there is uh, of course uh, an alien interference into the um, into the in this, into this world, and of course, this alien interference has been present for since the beginning. So it's part of of our own uh, of all these civilizations that we have lived on this planet, the ones that we remember, and the ones even that we forgot about, like right. Atlantis. So, so I, I, I think that. Uh, For me, it was very important uh, when I came back to Italy to dedicate myself to uh, do a series of groundbreaking conferences in a castle, which was near Rome. You can still find some of the footage of these conferences, which I conducted in the castle of Roviano, in 2010, 2011, up to 2012, with some very important people in the UFO community. from that were and I even managed to bring Grandmasters of Freemasonry to discuss this topic uh, that came out also with some incredible statements and, and revelations during these conferences. There was people like Roberto Pinotti who collaborates with Stephen Greer. There was uh, a lot of interesting uh, characters that from time to time I will manage to bring. Uh, Chris Everett came, uh, who worked with David High came there. Um, And so we we really had the possibility to see all the sides of the story, but then uh, I wanted to bring, uh, I saw a kind of view that there was something missing here because you didn't have the view of somebody within the secret societies of what aliens really are. So I wanted to create... uh, the possibility for people to really understand all the connections that these secret societies, from Freemasonry to the Ordo temple Orientis, the various Illuminati secret networks operating in the New World Order, the, the, the various uh, uh, fraternities that we commonly refer always as Illuminati, all this uh, is linked to an alien agenda that also is linked to an interdimensional agenda, which is linked to what is happening in Chern, in Switzerland, uh, which is linked to um, to certain rituals that can open these portals like Alistair Crowley did in the desert. All these things for the first time I put in a book to really show that the reality is very different, that we are in front of a subject that is uh it's somehow misunderstood for because it is very complex of course. Yeah. And uh, because this link uh, that certain um, secret societies operating within the Illuminati network had with these beings has been for thousands of years. So also their way of communicating, evoking them, interacting with them, and also making sure that they are working on their behalf on certain things. So the invisible master is this alien, uh, so-called alien uh, figure behind uh, the, the, the the scenes. That's why uh, I then dedicated the whole Uh, of the last chapter of this book to the Vatican, because the Vatican is open up to this phenomenon, which is the UFO alien phenomenon, yes and has been doing this with a series of conferences uh, in this Church of Sant'Anna, which is a very important church within the Vatican, but it's considered like, kind of like the entrance of the Vatican, so the like the the church that stands in between the Italian and the vatican state, but just the first church you you church you, you you when you get into the Vatican they started these conferences and um it's been interesting to see how the Vatican has gradually opened up also with uh the the the, the latest jesuit who uh, was taking the position. Uh, of uh, uh, the specula vaticana head of the specula vaticana because the jesuits are in charge of the astronomical laboratory of the astronomical observatories they're in charge of monitoring the ufo phenomenon and when i asked them why they were in charge of this phenomenon they said because it's directly linked to the prophecies that's
0: really interesting so
1: this was a confirmation which was given to me by an agent of the Jesuits uh who is a guy who works officially for the Vatican, who Pope uh, John Paul II used to call the man of the Holy Spirit. is uh, called Antonio Montuoro, Leonardo Montuoro. And so when he confirmed me that, I understood uh, I was absolutely right about everything that I had uh, been doing, because it was very important that I explained that uh, entities like gene demons, and so a demonic reality... Is totally connected to the alien reality, and so it's also very dangerous for humanity to start uh, dealing with these uh, with these entities that have, of course, completely now uh, invaded our dimension and control the reality through technology because they are filtering this technology to us uh, in a way that uh, they can then use it to manipulate the reality. They are basically controlling us very easily. We think that we are subject to some kind. Uh, of maybe, you know, uh, announcement that there is an arrival of aliens. But they are basically always been here, and they are now controlling us more than ever because the technology that we are using is coming from them, and so they control it. And when is this book coming out, by the way? The book is coming out in the fall. The book is uh, called The Invisible Master on CCC. Uh, publishing, which is uh, this uh, publishing company that has uh, courageously brought out my books in the U.S., uh, which is based in San Francisco, and uh, Invisible Master is the, as I said, the last of the five books of this uh, that I do in the English language for this uh, publisher that has given me the possibility. Also, thank uh, to common friends uh, like Sean Stone. Uh, the son of Oliver Stone, to be able to translate these books and make them available into the English language, which was deemed very important. When I uh, came to the U.S. the last time in 2014, um, what happened was very interesting because I stayed there for like three months uh, in uh, in Los Angeles and um, meeting with several people in Hollywood, I saw that there was a great interest in my work from very important people, also key people in the industry and so on, because a lot of them understood what was coming to them soon because uh, we knew that there was uh, pedophilia, satanism, cannibalism in Hollywood. And, uh, and, you know, there were certain people, let's say, good people, like Oliver Stone, but uh, his son and other good people in Hollywood because there is also good people in Hollywood. It's not all democratic scam. Well, I will not say it's not a political thing. It's satanic scam. You can call it whatever you want, but it's basically satanic. Uh, But there is also good people in Hollywood. Those good people that are also Freemasons, but Freemasons that are good Freemasons, because you have bad Freemasons, good Freemasons, they said, Leo, well, I mean, they really made an effort to make me feel at home and to give me the possibility to then release this book, uh, publish this book. So... I think that my mission, at least, uh, of being able to bring out my story has been accomplished after 10 years. I'm very happy about that because, like you remember, uh, 2008 was very important for me. Of course, uh, it took more than 10 years to... Uh, bring out all the information I had from that famous 2000 and the, from that blog in 2006, my first blog, when I started to bring out things and then they censored and then I put it somewhere else and it was, the, but uh, I, at one point they were trying to really get this information to disappear. Oh, yeah. They even uh, entered my, uh, I had an Apple Mac uh, with a no power PC, not an Intel Tel processor. So they are almost impossible to attack. And people from the Intel community know that still nowadays very well. And uh, they managed to get my hard disk to literally go on fire one day from a distance to blow the information I had in it. Wow. Yeah. So uh, in 2008,
0: they, they really mean- tried to break you there.
1: Well, I tried, but I was resilient. I managed, for example, to save that uh, that uh, hard disk, and through a friend of mine who was an Apple developer, to actually uh, get it saved uh, and, and led to to saving a lot of the information that then became key information in my confession series. Um, so I can say that then 2009 uh, later, I say 2008 was also a good year in some ways when I when I kind of uh, was able to go back to Italy because uh, I think that in the end, after 15 years abroad, coming back to Italy and close to the Vatican, in this moment of time, was very important for me because uh, I also managed to uh, relaunch myself completely in a different way in Italy where I was known as a record producer, of course, as a DJ at a national level. I was very famous, yes, but I was not known as... uh, I, having said that, I had worked in the 80s as a journalist, and since the 80s, I also in the 90s, uh, when I started the radio later on, I went into journalism also, uh, parallel to my DJing and my record production. I was always uh, uh, collaborating with a famous Italian journalist called Dino D'Arcangelo, who now unfortunately is not with us anymore, who worked for La Repubblica. Eh? And so he teach me really uh, the, the basis of journalism. And uh, I went into uh, gradually more and more into the, inter- I, I even used to read the news uh, for the radio at one point uh, on uh, in the 80s, you know, when I was into, involved into the radio. So, I, I mean, I, I had a basis as, as a journalist and I wanted to develop it as an investigative journalist uh, based on my own experiences. This right. uh, was a very particular kind of experiment, let me tell you. because it's not like, you know... So when I launched this uh, blog in 2006, it had been planned for several years, since 2003, because it was from 2003 that I started to see that there was a growing need for me uh, fighting this war. And I tell you, one of the most inspiring moments was when Alex Jones went into the Bohemian Grove. Why is that an inspiring moment? Not because, uh, I mean... Uh, it was showing something that f- for people within the secret societies was unknown, but because it showed it to the rest of the world, and it created the, actually discussions within the secret societies and even within Freemasonry. So this debate that started to to happen uh, was very interesting. I mean, I remember discussing uh, Alex Jones and the uh, and his infiltration of the Bohemian Grove. Uh, within the United Kingdom Lodge of England. I even remember with who. I remember, I think, uh, uh, I have to refresh my mind, but to- I think at least Tony Henley and another guy from uh, the UBS, the famous, uh, uh, actually from the Warburg Institute. Uh, and, and so many people We were already discussing this thing. And then I discussed it at the, at the Monte Carlo Lodge. We discussed very vividly the Monte Carlo Lodge, and then it became a subject that made me clash with my enemies. Right within, when I was still in the fold, I remember there was a conference of the Monte Carlo Lodge in this convent, in this monastery. There were around 90 Freemasons. Uh, The elite of Italian Freemasonry was gathered in this big room uh, that the monks had given us uh, with this uh, great painting behind and. And, 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 and I remember that I was one of the sp- main speakers that day, uh, as the Grand Master of the Order of Minetoro Universalis, and I got, uh, uh, to, uh, criticize openly, uh, what was happening in America, and I demanded that, uh, some clarity from the brothers, uh, in the U.S., uh, what was going on with this Bohemian Grove, uh, stuff, and also what was going on with Skull and Bones, I mean, all these things were starting to surface at an increasing rate. The, the BBC had managed in 2003 to 2002, I think, to get into the, the skull and bones and make some recordings. So even within the fold of Freemasonry and other secret societies, these things started to create uh, some kind of uh, discussion. And I felt that the need for me to um, come out of the fold and then then denounce it and and make uh, sure that I could give my own uh, um, clarity to this uh, topic, which I think was important because I gave the insider's view before anybody else. Nowadays, you go on the Internet, I see every day new Illuminati, whistleblowers, uh, insiders, uh, but I think that you have to judge all these people after by the results uh, of their information, if there is accurate or not, and if they're bringing documents in, that are verifiable photos. This is what I, this is what my enemies disliked of me, that I was bringing evidence, and this evidence was pretty dangerous.
0: Yeah, what a, what a weird place,
1: by the way. To do what? Sorry. Oh, the, uh, the Bohemian
0: Grove. I'm just saying it's a ah, they, very but, yeah, odd no, place.
1: They, they, in 2008, always, and we go back to 2008, like it's the year that it all happened then. golden <laughs> but, year. The golden year of Leeds again. Uh-huh. In 2008, which is also the year I met my future wife, by the way. So, I mean, it's been 10 years that I actually kind of intercepted there once. <laughs> we we met after my visit in Colorado, where I actually met a high priest of the Bohemian Grove. And this was uh then uh, it's something I talked about in volume one of my confessions. I don't know if you read about it.
0: Yes, I read your that book, actually.
1: Uh, so, You'll I guess uh, that uh, in one of my confessions, I, I, I discussed my experience into the house of the high priest of the, one of the high priests of the Bohemian Grove. It was pretty scary. I mean, at one point, I didn't know if I would come out alive from there, but, but, uh, yeah, it was a pretty far out experience when I understood that the Bohemian Grove is nothing compared to what these people get uh, behind closed doors. I mean, oh, yes. uh, this, uh, yeah, I mean the high priest of the Bohemian Grove uh, was also a member of, uh, one of the most infamous witches caverns in Great Britain and, uh, of the Sigurd society called witches, uh, sorry, Kultus Sabati, which is one of the most satanic societies. That's <laughs> correct. So, I mean, it, it, it was, uh, I mean, an experience to, 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 to be in his house because I saw with my own eyes what is considered the second largest occult library in the U.S. It was enormous, it was incredible the rarity of the books, the extent of the work and all this in a place called Loveland in uh near I mean in, in Colorado uh and near Fort Collins. I mean it's just nobody will think that you have an occult library there, you know, in in, in somebody's uh, underground uh setup. But uh but but I mean I was I was impressed with also finding uh, Uh, a person that uh, this uh, occultist that recognized that at one point uh, maybe I wasn't on his, let's say, idea, but then he... he, Because they could have killed me, definitely. Especially when I discovered that uh, this guy was linked to Nicolas Cage, that the whole thing was linked to the whole Hollywood elite and occult mafia over there, and that I was basically starting to put together the dots so this was uh, in a way scary I guess for some people.
0: Oh yeah, I I agree it is a little bit scary and how, what's your perspective on all the sexual scandals stemming from Hollywood currently going on?
1: The sexual scandals as I said for me it was just a moment uh, it was uh, just a, a moment of realization of something that though everybody knew for for a long time because we I mean I even had written a book which I haven't published in the English language but I published in Italy called Illuminati and the Music of Hollywood where I denounced all the manipulation going on in Hollywood and and, and people even like Oprah Winfrey <laughs> and, and, and that have their own uh, say in this new world order and, of course, uh, we saw that Weinstein was the friend of Oprah Winfrey and that yeah. over you know, Winfrey was kind of pimping around for Weinstein and that <laughs> the whole thing is uh, just disgraceful. But, I mean, you have even worse in Hollywood. You have people de- who dedicate themselves to cannibalism, who promoted like Katy Perry. I mean, you have a bunch of sick individuals. Uh, and these sick individuals thought they were untouchable for many, many, many decades. Uh, I think since the establishment of Hollywood itself, uh, that Hollywood has resembled a modern Babylon, and so for that reason, everything is tolerated in, in Hollywood. But but now they have lost a lot of credibility, and I think that the main reason for all this has been because uh, Donald J. Trump uh, has unleashed on them the power of the intelligence agencies, which have uh, exposed all their uh, dirty deeds. I'm not very kind
0: personally about Hollywood and celebrities. I actually do a celebrity death pool here on the program. Mm. No, <laughs> no, I mean it's not very, not you know, same. it's a little tasteless, but uh, humorous at the same time.
1: Uh, yeah? Well, 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 I mean, f- as I said, my experience of Hollywood is this: uh, that uh, they live uh, a great life, but without, t- they are not in touch with reality. So they uh, yeah. have no absolute. Uh, for me, I think personally, they shouldn't even mention politics in their, in their agenda, daily agenda, because they don't know what's really going on in the country. They are privileged people. They should just thank God that they are in that position. Instead, they have a wage war against Donald J. Trump. Well, then if you wage war, you get war back. I mean, that's how it, how it works. It's true. So I think, <clears throat> so I think that now people have realized really that uh, Hollywood is just a, uh, A propaganda machine in the hands of people like Soros, the Mondialists, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, and and, 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 and up until the end, uh, David Rockefeller showed uh, his uh, defiant role in the New World Order, just as uh, Henry Kissinger does every week. And these characters are pretty spooky characters because they are they are ancient, nearly they are like dinosaurs, but they are still dangerous, and they still seem to uh, hold together this uh, this plan for a globalist nightmare because it's a prison made of technology that just imposes on mankind to become a number and to become a slave to a machine. Right. Now, how
0: do the regular citizens in Romania feel about Donald Trump?
1: Romania? <laughs> yes. Why you ask me about Romania? You, you maybe know my connection with Romania. Yes. I, I, I have some connection with Romania because I'm an honorary member of uh, one of the Supreme Councils of the 33rd degree. I have uh, many Freemason friends in Romania, right. participate in Romania. Uh, sh- how they intend Donald Trump well they see him very positively in Romania because they hate George Soros George Soros as you know is Hungarian Correct. and he has been promoting the um, stealing land that now is Romanian to bring it back to Hungary and so on and so he's not really somebody who is very popular even in Romania In Hungary, it's definitely not popular anymore, in Hungary. I mean, he's he's, he's, he's getting more and more hated in his own, where he comes from, because they see the evil that he promotes every day. Um, The populations of Europe live on their own uh, skin every day, the manipulations of George Soros. When uh, Just a few hours ago, I saw an article regarding Soros promoting... uh, uh, the, 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 basically a counter-Brexit operation which, uh, aims to, uh, make the Brexit, uh, uh, n- go back from the Brexit. So disintegrate the result of a great, uh, choice made by the British people. Why? Because it doesn't fit into the scheme of things of George Soros. This is terrible. I mean, and then you have n- Nathan Rothschild. I mean, geez, man, these people are just, just nightmares these dinosaurs from a bygone era from the Cold War that are still here and they want to impose on us uh, w- w- what is uh, unfortunately a communistic society. It's a left-wing nightmare that is being promoted since 1968, since the moment they managed to infiltrate the universities and impose this left-wing rubbish that everything everybody thinks is cool. So they manipulate the desperados anarchists uh, in the squats uh from uh from from the most remote parts of Europe. They are in with the right wing, with the left wing, with everybody. They manipulate all of them against each other and then they are the ones who are really in control of everything. They are the bureaucrats of this technocracy, this growing technocracy that uh, is uh, destroying this let's say the sovereign state in favor of uh of these uh, continental states that they are laying the foundations for. In this, America is, uh, of course, uh, resilient because it's a continent and because they have the capacity to stand against this if you have the right person. If you have Hillary Clinton, they will all go to hell. And Or if you have uh, their Pocahontas, uh, whatever her name is, or if you have anybody else from the, the Obama, Obamian uh, I mean, Obama's been a nightmare. This guy was the most useful idiot of the whole whole show. I mean, really, I mean, shame on him. I mean, the, the guy got even uh, in, in Oslo uh, a Nobel Peace Prize, and he was such a warmonger. I mean, people died left, right, and center because of the choices he made and Hillary Clinton. And Hillary Clinton is a witch. Oh, well, I can't deny that. So, I mean, uh, I mean, people might not like, uh, dislike Donald J. Trump, but uh, he's the only one who is, because he's such a, I mean, he's a self-made man, billionaire, uh, who has risked his own fortune over and over again. And he has done it in a way that is, is nearly on the border of being, you know, like, uh, I mean, it's like really risky to do certain operations in the, in the, in, like the way he did it, but he did it in a fearless way. And in the end, it worked out because he reached the White House and what he said in the, in the, in the electoral campaign, he's actually manifesting in my books, volume one, two, I hardly mentioned Trump, if not the fact that he would probably arrive at the White House because they were published before and uh, started what the media would probably transform in the longest reality show ever, which is the case. Um, but then in Volume 3, which came out just uh, after his election, I also explained the people that were corrupt within his own maybe system, but at the same time his great... Uh, uh, legacy and his work that he's trying to do uh, to preserve uh, uh, certain aspects of our civilization, of our Western civilization, that are under threat. Because uh, Italy knows it very well. Here uh, we are on the front line of immigration every day, growing, growing social unrest. Thousands of blacks arriving from the jungle. We are not talking about slaves, guys. Nobody has gone there and picked them up with some boat and put them on a boat. These people are coming voluntarily, and they're not poor. They have been chosen by their families to pay a certain sum, and they're usually a very healthy, black, adult, very strong guys, arrive here in Europe, thrown into a reality which is very hard, especially in Southern Europe because there is no work, because there is a growing crisis and they end up uh, filling up, uh, of course, the criminal activities with uh, drugs and so on. And this uh, is becoming so unacceptable, especially when, uh, when it was 10, years, 10 days sorry, ago, <coughs> we had this scandal in Italy, big, big shocking news about this uh, black pusher putting, cutting this uh, girl, putting it uh, after what seems for a lot of peculiarities uh, a voodoo ritual, because also this Nigerian mafia that's invading Italy is practicing black magic left, right, and center. So this girl was then bleached to not leave any traces, but her internal organs were taken in a way that is typical of certain rituals in the Nigerian tradition. What happened a couple of the days later is, uh, is normal. One Italian got uh, pissed off. He picked up a gun and started to shoot at all blacks in one town. Now, this is not uh, uh, an act that we can accept in a civil world. People can't go around shooting. But you have to understand that we are here in Italy in 2018 facing an immigration warfare soon because this is not uh, the, uh, the Italy we know. Because we are a small country, because we have 60 million individuals in a very small pay, space. Imagine how many people you are in the U.S. Oh, you my. Are not, you're not more than 240, I think. Right. Millions. Okay? And you are in such a big space with big horizons, big, big everything is big. Yes. In Italy, it's a little thing like this, and we have 60 million people on top of this half of Africa is arriving on top of us. So if this is not stopped, I will, I, I think that we're going towards a complete disaster. And George Soros is sponsoring this. He's sponsoring the boats that picked them up in Africa. They have to be stopped. Italian politicians had to actually threaten, uh, even the EU at one point. Because, uh, this is not acceptable and uh, we are facing the possibility that, uh, uh, Europe is invaded uh, by Islamic forces which will constitute a complete change for the basis of our Western society. If Europe is to be considered the Christian base of our society, because it is, they then develop later in America, because that's history, no? It's not like, uh, that's, that's how it, things uh, worked out. Now, Europe is again under the threat of the Muslims. Now, you might uh, see it uh, in a different way in America, but in Europe, we fought the Muslims for thousands of years, People from my family who were in the Knights of Malta fought the war that stopped them 500 years ago, risking their life to block these people from invading our own civilization and our own culture. Now their mosques are everywhere. They create areas where they only have their own laws, the Sharia in the heart of Europe. This is not acceptable. So I think uh, we're going towards a complete social disaster but this is, of course, manipulated by a new world order, which knows exactly what they're doing.
0: I might get in trouble are, for uh, saying this, but the uh, Prophet Muhammad is a pedophile.
1: Absolutely, you're talking about a pedophile here. Prophet Muhammad is a pedophile. is is a guy who indulged in pedophilia, married a very nine-year-old uh, oh, yeah. girl. I mean, it's it's scandalous what this guy was able to do, and is accepted by everybody like a prophet when in reality you go and study the reality of it. And he was a pedophile. And and, and so to, to, to actually have a religion that promotes pedophilia is ideal though for those people in the Vatican who love pedophilia. So you see a lot of cardinals have sold out to Islam in secret a long time ago because they like Islam. They like the fact that uh, they, it's, it's a religion of perverts. It's a religion of perverts where uh the recently Erdogan, the president of Turkey, has said it's okay to marry a nine year old girl. That is what's happening in Turkey. At yeah. the same time in some countries in most countries uh, they continue the terrible of course uh, tradition of uh, uh, we know so I mean uh how you say female uh genitalia removal. Oh my yes. Uh, another and uh, at the same time, though, they condone, for example, anal intercourse before wedding because they have to stay virgin or I don't know what. I mean, there is some really far out beliefs of hypocrisy in the, in a world that like uh, that is also the biggest perverse because uh, you just go to Saudi Arabia and they're all lined up. The princess of Saudi Arabia, a bunch of perverts. Oh,
0: Yes. I agree so, 100% with that.
1: And they are tolerated. Why are they are tolerated? Because they give us oil. So I think that, you see, the problem here is that we tolerate because in, in exchange we have something. When Hollywood for years has promoted the tolerance toward the film director like Roman Polanski, who is a Satanist, who is a Satanist, but not a, an hypothetical Satanist. He was there at the foundation of the Church of Satan with Anton Lavey. And, and 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 of course he was active in Satanism and he participated to raping a 13 year old girl in uh, in the way he did um, and it's made acceptable because Hollywood wanted to promote this acceptance of pedophilia. Unfortunately, he's being pushed by these lobbies, very powerful, or very rich people who want to normalize the acceptance of this evil practice.
0: Yes. Now, Leo, I, I did want to ask you about this. Since you are a controversial figure, y- you would agree with me on that, right?
1: Now, of course. Uh, I mean, everybody that says their own opinion without being censored these days is a controversial figure. Right. Uh, uh, they try to censor, but at least in these uh, shows like yours or others, I managed to say the truth, and it's definitely not convenient. The problem now for me is to Get my idea through to the mainstream because unfortunately they're making it impossible for me to reclaim my position, for example, here in Italy where I had, let's say, after I came back in 2008, 2009, I had managed to uh, create also uh, regular appearances on TV in Italy and so on until, of course, they realized it was too dangerous. They it, it took a few years to realize that because it was in 2000, at the end of 2013 that they realized that. But when they realized, they basically banned me from every TV or radio show in the country.
0: Yes, and being a a controversial figure, uh, many people on the internet will, of course, go on the attack. And uh, you, like many before you, of course, have been accused of being a CIA disinformation uh, agent. I, myself, have been accused of the same thing since 2014, which is ridiculous. Um what do you say to those people who actually think that about you Leo
1: I wish uh, they sent me a check in the mail <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, That's what I say
1: yeah it's, it's 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 interesting that people can think that of course, there's been contacts with the intelligence world. I mean, uh, I always talked about it in my books. I was quite open about uh, all the connections that I had with the intelligence community. But to actually say that I've been a, their own tool, well, I mean, at least that I know, no. Um, they, do the mind control me? I don't think so, because uh, otherwise I would have uh, probably... I've done many different uh, idiotic things. Uh, uh, though I, I must say, that at one point, uh, when in Italy the situation politically got very, very heavy, especially when I entered politics, and uh, I then uh, was part of the pitchforks revolution that blockaded the country for two months, and I was on TV, and uh, uh, but not anymore as let's say an intellectual or a, somebody who wrote books. Uh, suddenly, I was uh, also in the political arena. And that was not something they liked very much. Uh, and they poisoned me. They tried to manipulate uh, what I was saying. Uh, they locked me up. It took me like two weeks to get out of this hell's place where they locked me up. I had lawyers, free lawyers to try to get me out there. I mean, I had torture with these doctors playing me communist uh, hymns in the morning. It was, I mean, And then then they said, in front of my lawyer, we work for the Tavistock Institute. That was the best part of it, because I said, listen, guys, if you sit in front of my lawyer, I can put it on my next book. That was the only positive thing of the of this whole thing. But uh, the Tavistock Institute, which maybe some of your listeners will know, is a very dangerous place created in Great Britain to, uh, let's say, social engineer, uh, pe- the whole of humanity in a way. It was uh, the predecessor to what then became experiment in the MKUltra and in the various projects of mind control and manipulation under the U.S. intelligence agencies.
0: That that seems to never have gone away. It seems like the media and the Internet, social media, all these places manipulate those who aren't aware of it. I believe 75 to 85 percent of the population here and probably outside of America are completely brainwashed, Leo.
1: Yes, unfortunately, that is due to the fact that the media are firmly in their hands. You see, so um, brainwashing comes from uh, from the media, from the fact that the system is uh, is completely uh, rigged, like compromised. Hey, yeah, my rigged. I mean, if you try to uh, If you try to change things, you will see always this system is rigged, meaning that they have a way to get back to you and put things back into place like you never were there and you never said those things. And you, you, of course, I created maybe stronger waves than others, but that's why at one point in uh, the beginning of 2014, before I then later came to America, because I was desperate to just get away from all this, Uh, I got... uh, the Italian Carabinieri, which is like the police, military police, <coughs> to break into my house, uh, destroying the front door like I was a terrorist, breaking into like I don't know what, and, and, and treating me like such. That was something that I dislike of this whole thing. That they, they, they in 2014, they tried once again to ruin my credibility. And they managed to a certain extent for a limited period of time. Then I went to America, where I have fortunately many friends. I went back to Italy, and I courageously started again. But I even had to find a new publisher because they had managed to even get – I had three different publishers, and only one of them in the end managed to keep one of my books, even if there was sabotage left, right, and center by – they The co-author also. I mean, they, they got close people to me to do things that I didn't think it was possible. It's 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 terrible to see that they are up. You know, when you're up to to to, to people who can be really evil, but all the way, you know. Oh
0: yes. Now, Leo, we are coming to a close here on the uh, interview. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I, I do want to ask you one other thing, and
1: that's. How do you want to be remembered when all of this is said and done? I want to be remembered as the person who tried to uh, to do what uh, to follow the example. Another, let's say a person that follows the example of Christ in a way that maybe others have not i have followed it uh, in the same way because i think that i renounced uh, like him in the desert to the riches and fame of having the material kingdom the moment in which i went against this great establishment and i was very conscious of doing that decision so i renounced to the to the material power in that moment but uh, I will maybe be remembered because uh, I, what I'm planting here are the seeds for uh, something that will last a long, a lot more than just the, the materialistic construct that you have in front of you. I mean, I'm trying to lay the foundations here for the preservation of the empire to come, which is the empire of the thousand years that we hope will soon overcome this evil. There is going to be a peak moment in which this evil operates. uh, And we see it in front of our eyes every day, getting more and and more evil, Uh, worse and worse. You have uh, all the signs for this uh, catastrophe, impending catastrophes around the world and uh, signs of the end times. So I... Might uh, some people say, ah, he's very messianic, very apocalyptic. Well, let me tell you, we are living in certain times that are unprecedented. And I'm glad that I live in these times. So if uh, you tell me how people should remember me, like uh, somebody who has been courageous enough to never, never accept a compromise with the enemy. Because the enemy has always offered the possibility of a compromise. I might have limited my terrestrial benefits in the sense that uh, I don't have the material wealth that usually is associated with people of my bloodline. Um, So I must thank God that I'm still in good health and then I have enough. See, this fact of having enough, for me, is good. I mean, actually, I live very well uh, a very good life compared to the poor people around the world. I'm still a privileged individual. That little that I have is a lot more than what maybe a lot of ordinary folks have. And I thank God for that. And I don't, um, I think uh, that uh, my, uh, my son or the people who come after me and that they will read my books in the future and see what has happened in this day and age, which I'm trying to, um, to paint like a painter, uh, you know, paints his paintings, I'm uh, writing my books, I try to pick up this whole uh, situation and and, 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 and and show you that it's not, a, there is a different reality from the one that is perceived, that maybe there is another way of interpreting history. Uh, there is another reality that should be taken into serious consideration and that I'm sure in the future will be taken into much more serious consideration because I think there are a lot of things that now people are laughing of, uh, thinking there are topics that can just bring uh, like some curiosity, like the alien topic we touched earlier on in the show, or the fact that there is a new world order or these secret societies. Well, people tend to always... Uh, Think of all this in front of a very uh, light scenario made of maybe uh, a bag of popcorn and a nice movie that uh, that is, is is about all these kind of things, but you're just watching a movie, so that's fine. No, the, the thing is that then there is a reality here that is even more, more interesting than the movies it's, uh, themselves. And this reality is lived by people like me who are trying to bring you a little inside... Into this uh, great uh, reality that is untold because everybody's scared of telling it. Uh, Everybody's uh, scary, scared of losing by telling the truth. I have uh, not been scared uh, of of telling the truth. So if I had to sentence in two phrase, in one phrase and two words, uh, what uh, I, what I'm really trying to do, I'm trying to live by know the truth, and the truth should set you free. And this uh, passage of the gospel is still my motto, and is still the, the, the what I'm living with and for. Very nice.
0: Um, I think many people out there appreciate the fact that you never let them break your will, Leo. Yeah,
1: you no, know, the will has to be completely strong. It's the, it's the, it's the will that really makes... Uh, some great changes for humanity. Sometimes this um, this will can be brought to the most evil extent. Let's watch in the case of Adolf Hitler. Um, sometimes it can be brought to a good extent, uh, to a good uh, solution. Now, uh, in my, you know, I still, uh, I am 48. <laughs> I know, uh, maybe I'm halfway through my life.
0: You're still a young guy. Don't worry. Uh,
1: still young, guy. but I think that. Uh, In the future, maybe things can change. Maybe we can live a better reality. Who knows? I will, uh, I will hope for the whole of humanity that's the case. So I thank very much your listeners uh, and everybody that has uh, bothered with uh, listening my rants uh, over uh, all our past uh, experiences. But it was a good experience to have this interview and uh, I thank you very much for having me on your show.
0: Clockwise, my friend. That's leozagami.com for those who want to check out further uh, work from our guest here. And of course, thank you. And I, I, really appreciate the time you spend here and we'll do it again in the near future, my friend.
1: Thank you very much. Uh, all the best. Ciao, Michael. All right, Leo. Godspeed. Take care.
0: And that, of course, was Leo Zagami, ladies and gentlemen. Great guest there. And of course, I want to inform you that I will be having another uh, show later on tonight here at, I believe, uh, 7 PM. Don't miss that. Let me remind you that you can go back. To michaeldeacon.com to check out any previous show that you might have missed. This program completely depends on its listeners. That means you right there. Spread the word, be a friend, and share. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. Not by college, not by the rabbit school, not by the Illuminati, we and we will to go into it, but the Illuminati certainly yeah. is part of the whole thing. The top members of the Illuminati are open-bush. I could tell that all the mainstream media outlets were giving me like bullshit. Like, if you could just see it, it's clear. <laughs> How appropriate. I wish I could be in that ring with Holden right now. It's crazy. I had no idea this shit existed
1: before seven, seven,
0: Oh, granny. I'm like granny. I'm gonna keep it real. A lot of good content. A lot of, a lot of cool topics. You, know, you know, I feel, you know, fortunate to have an opportunity to speak to you guys tonight. Uh, you, guys are, you guys are really busy. Yeah, Mr. Rusev. That son of a bitch. I do not like that, man. It's just simple
1: shit. You go in there, you see the button and there's no out of practice.
0: Just for what it's worth, I want to put in my youngest that you have one of the most incredibly well-rounded shows. I'm 22 years old. Still a virgin. Guess what? Successfully... Just <laughs>